We are the Tennis Tragic. It is Wednesday morning, January the 22nd. The third day of play has just started, actually. We're a little bit late. We're still in our pajamas. Um, you know, Wimbledon, they have something called Manic Monday, but uh, here in Melbourne, Australia, we just experienced a little something called Tragic Tuesday. That's how historians will refer to what happened yesterday. Uh, 88 singles matches were completed. Uh, they didn't actually get to them all. They scheduled somewhere upwards of 90, and a few had to get put off today. Until today, I'm not sure exactly how many. So round one is not over yet. Um, kind of looking over the results, things seem mostly to form. Uh, only a handful of seeds upset. Nobody really all that surprising. Um, we got to see a lot of tennis. Things started on the grounds at 10.30 a.m. We, like, settled in for this John Millman... Ugo Umber match, uh, kind of the early morning nationalism special. Uh, the Aussie fans were were rowdy, and I was very tired. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I got to see at least uh, nine matches yesterday. I think, according to my tragic journal. Uh, what stands out to you guys? What was what was your highlight of the day, Alex? Mm, probably the Fanini Pelka match. Just I feel like I got more engaged with that one than some of the other ones. Uh, we came in. We only came in halfway through. That was suspended from the day before and resumed yesterday. Resumed on the third set, I think. And I think we got to the match on the fourth set. Um, yeah, there was tensions were high. They both blew up at Carlos Bernardes really extremely. Fabiano in Italian had a big long spiel about how he's not good at his job and he doesn't like him being. Fanini. Yeah, Fanini did. Yeah, uh, and Anna Pelka after a, a call that he didn't agree with, went walked right up to Carlos, and because he's seven feet tall, was almost at eye level with him in the chair. <laughs> and his finger in his face and said, you're pathetic, you know, do your job, and all this sort of stuff right in his face. He, he ripped a tree sapling out of the yeah, ground. Yeah, yeah. Broke it in half. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it's funny, we like tag team that match over two days. I saw it, most of it yesterday, when, um, Monday. when Opelka, uh, Monday, sorry, the days are blurring yeah. together blurring. when Opelka was winning and then I went to like meet up with some family friends in the middle of the match yesterday when you guys joined and then Fanini had kind of turned things around uh, but it was I think it was cool because it was a real contrast of styles like that that Millman Umber match that we went to I like John Millman he's a battler Umber is an up and comer I was kind of curious about it but it was just they were kind of kind of play the same style of baseline tennis mm-hmm. and yeah, and the atmosphere was very one-sided, so it just didn't it didn't feel as interesting or engaging. And for, yeah, both Fanini and Opelka like they've got they, they get um, you know they get a little feisty at times. And it went all the way to a match tiebreak, mm, right? Really close. Well, Fanini pulled away from him in the tiebreak, but it was close right up until then. It was very yeah, very good match. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I agree. That's an engaging match because um, they're both strong personalities. I, f- I felt a bit for Carlos Bernardes because. Mm. He's a really, I mean, the thing he said at the ATP Cup about we are, um, the most important thing between us is respect. This is a tennis game. The most important thing between all of us is respect. If you guys are doing this against Canadians or Serbians, this is not what we want. Please, respect the both players. Thank you. Um, it was, I think that was a really lovely sentiment, but... Neither of the players showed him much respect. At so, all. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of kind of a shame. Um, there's, there's a continued thing of racket abuse 
happening. Um, Fanini was complaining, getting a code violations for throwing his racket. The day before on the Monday, yeah. And then again... Well, yeah, so he got the warning that on the Monday, and then so he was already at that point, yeah. and then threw his racket down again, which is the same argument that Shapovalov had about you know not actually breaking the racket but throwing it into the ground. And Fanini did that on, on Tuesday when it restarted at some point during there and uh, got a point penalty and as a result lost that game. And that's when he had that whole argument with Carlos. Yeah, yeah it's a tough one because sometimes you do see a player like kind of toss their racket or throw it up and not catch it. Um, it's sort of an interpretation the umpire has to make how aggressive or how violent the they are they they being it does seem like it's become a little bit of an epidemic i mean we've we've seen a lot of live tennis this year the year is young it's january 22nd so three weeks and you know like i can think of seven or eight racket smashing incidents and a number of them we've seen in person and i got to see fanini smash one yesterday look as a person who has you know had expressed my temperament on the tennis court on occasion in my life or in other competitive situations, you know, I don't necessarily think it makes you a terrible person or anything to like get upset and show it. And I, you know, as a fan, there's a degree of, of that, that I kind of appreciate because sometimes it seems like you're watching robots out there, but, um, yeah, it just seems like it keeps happening on the men's side. And what you said to me about Rafa, uh, Matt really stuck like the notion that you know, these rackets could be used by kids or something. Like, it's just, it's just wasteful in this way that's kind of, kind of gross, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I'm getting a little tired of it. Like, you know, scream and shout like a grown man, you know? Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> berate yourself. Um, you know, not the umpire also. That's, you know, that kind of thing is just... Yeah, Bernardus, like, had a really good moment. And, uh, you know, just kind of reminding people that to be decent... And right, suddenly he's getting, he's taking all this guff directly from Opelka. It just doesn't seem quite right. Yeah, this current thing of trying to throw the racket down and not break it and then argue that that's not a, that's not a oh, that's violation. Not a violation. Yeah. I, I can do whatever I want with my racket. Right. If I don't break it, that's not against the rule. And now I think umpires are starting to get a bit more clamped down on that a little bit more. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for all, like, it seems like they've definitely made it a point to litigate uh, foot faults. Like, we've yeah. seen foot faults through the, go through the roof this past uh, few weeks. It's like, it seems like maybe the racket thing deserves more attention. Like, you know what? You can't just scrape your racket against the ground yeah. and, like, you know, ding it. Like, how about just not doing that from now on? Um, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a change just because it seems like it's happening so much with them. Well, it's funny at Wimbledon that you just can't. You know, you can't the damage grass. the grass. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So mentally, they can turn it off because they know right. they can't do it there. So yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they can't actually damage the court by doing that. You know. Yeah. That's uh, right. I mean, maybe Riley Opelka can because he's yeah. he's in he's a monstrous human being. <laughs> Open up craters. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know. My you know my highlight was probably the Gofen Shardy match that we saw as the sun was going down on court three. And uh, I think I was really struggling with the crowd yesterday. I had I was just having energy problems most of the afternoon and just didn't feel engaged with the play. And I was sitting in the sun, and normally it doesn't bother me, but I was just kind of gassed. And uh, I only really got my second wind as uh, after dinner, the sun went down, and the crowds kind of thinned out a little bit. Um, 
and yeah, so we sat down baseline uh, for Go Fan Shardy, and also it just I really enjoy watching David Goffin play tennis. Um, he's it's just this combination of movement and ball striking. He just he does things that seem a little bit impossible. And his level right now is, I think, peak for his career. I mean, he just beat Rafa at the ATP Cup, which I got to see in person and felt like a really big deal. Like, Goffin is not a very expressive person, but like very much taking in that win and enjoying it. And um, yeah, and I thought I thought that was a really tough draw for the first round. Shardy is a guy mm. who's who's given a lot of people trouble in early rounds at slams, and uh, you know it was pretty one sided, but still really enjoyable to watch. Minus the you know like alcoholic uh, loudmouths we seem to who seem to follow us around the court. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was close for most. There's like a one break in it each set for the first two sets, but then by the third set, it was done. I think it was 6-1 or 6-2 or something like that in the third set. But yeah, it was kind of competitive. It was good. It was a really good match. I enjoyed it too. It one of, yeah, I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, I feel like Shardy didn't quite have... He didn't have the serve going in a way that he sometimes does where he could win a lot of free points. And, uh, you know, GoFan will put pressure on your serve. He gets a lot of balls in play. But it did seem like he was toying with Shardy at a certain point. I commented to you, Alex, while we were watching that Shardy had to work so hard to win a point, like to construct a point. It, he had to think like five moves in advance and like slowly like put pressure on him, like get, you know, get close to the net and finish the finish the play because otherwise there was just no getting a ball fast. Yeah, it's like if someone theoretically wrote down the ideal way to win a point, he had to do that. You know what I mean? Like the, the perfect way to construct a point, that's the only way he could get one. <laughs> yeah. So that was enjoyable, but I didn't feel like I mean, I still don't feel like I've seen a great match here so far. Um, I don't know, Matt, what, uh, what stood out to you on uh, day two? Well, just, before, I mean, the Pelka Fanini match was definitely a highlight. And just while we're still on that one, um, we met some people there. Yeah, that's what I love about. Sometimes I don't even, the tennis isn't necessarily the most important thing, um, but other experiences that you have. Um, so. I noticed uh, a guy behind us um, who turned out to be Shelley. He was wearing a, um, a Prince, like kind of a 1980s collared Prince um, shirt with a big Prince lettering and um, primary colour graphics. And um, it was really good. And so we got, well, I took a photo, I asked him if I could take a photo. Yeah, and you kind of started a string of uh, good fashion updates on our on our Instagram. In fact, we got uh, we got a couple of uh, what do you call it? Re stories. Re stories. Posted yeah. stories from uh, from pro tennis players. Svetlana Kuznetsova liked uh, and shared one of our posts. Yeah, she did. She looked like Diana Troy from Star Trek: Next Generation in her um, blue and black dress, um, and Marco Trungaliti was wearing. In the qualifiers, a picture he was like this tie dye hippie rainbow shirt. Right? right, right, yes. So then he, in the first round, um, backed a, it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the shorts said Lala or L A L A on them. I don't know if that's a brand, but the the shirt says uh, the shirt had um, this red and green kind of seventies triangle pattern. Um, and it looked really good. And he, um, yeah, he retweeted. 
Henry posted our story too. How was that match? It was sad because um, Chungali really tried, tried hard, tried everything, um, but Sangren was was too strong. He was playing tennis, Sangren. Yeah. What was tennis Sangren wearing? He's famous for wearing like a plain white T-shirt. Yeah, he's got this. He's got this logo. I can't. I can't read it because it's too small. But he wore what he wore in Auckland, which was like kind of green, green and white board shorts, right? And a white t-shirt, and then the green. It's kind of like this light pastel, pastel light green, and with a matching headband. It's the color of the tournament. Light, light. Yeah, like green. the ball kids color. Yeah, yeah. and and. Philo has it, and I think Adidas has a little bit of it in their women's line as well. It's definitely the color of the tournament. Yeah, I broke out my lime green matching shirt yesterday. Yeah. I figured if they needed somebody to kind of sub in, I yeah. just raise my hand. The great, Kramer. The great ball man experiment. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it would be equally disastrous. <laughs> as you guys know from when I umpired your match, things uh, my attention maybe doesn't always stay locked in. <laughs> To what's going on in front of me but yeah that feeler collection with the green it's supposed to be like the Italian flag green white and red mm. um, or the men's one yeah the men's one because um, the women's one's the purple and green right yeah that's right purple and green yeah, yeah it's a dip, slightly different a deeper green for the men and um so Suwon Kwan was wearing um that feeler that with the stripes so same with the pelka and same with his nut hmm. it's pretty classic right white with red and green stripes yeah um so what else in the tennis with all these matches um well I guess I got to see the end of that uh Kuznetsova Vandrusheva match which was really entertaining and again like the late night vibe just felt so nice compared to the daytime uh, where the crowds were just really teeming for a Tuesday it was surprisingly packed it was hard to get seats on the on the show courts and um, yeah at night it was really pleasant I basically just snuck into uh, Jushiva's box um, which is something I like to do when I'm when I'm at the slams is like sit basically with the team because then you feel like Every time Marquetta would lose a point, she'd like look over, basically, you know, at the guy sitting next to me, and you know, make a face, um, you know, and they, they're sharing something in their secret language that's developed <laughs> between coach and player, and um, yeah, Vontrusheva. It was really tight there at the end, and then Kuznetsova kind of just got a sneaky break and uh, pulled out the match six four in the third. Um, tough draw for Marquetta, who hasn't won a match since uh, running to the French Open final. Um, but yeah, for me, it was good. it was really cool also to see her up close. Like I'm just reminded over and over again why I like the early rounds of these events when I can get really close and you know get a sense for how a player moves and plays. Because um, I saw that French Open final against Barty, but from you know 1700 meters in the sky at Philippe Chartrier. Is that the main court there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the main court there. And just I had never seen her before. It was hard to really get a sense of it and. You know, even with stuff like her leftiness, um, and you know, like her, like she's a very long player of Andrushiva, like long arms and legs, and very rangy. Plays a lot of defense. Was, you know, I was reminded of like a like a Rafa or team at the French, like running around the very back of the of the court, like almost scraping the walls, trying to you know dig balls out, but keeping everything in play. So uh, it was cool to see her, you know, 
physically up close and kind of get a better sense for her competitiveness and um, you know her, her personality which are harder to read at a distance you know? yeah but she ended up losing to uh, yeah Kuznetsova yeah so I mean pretty great side court match also Kuznetsova is a slam champion herself has won the US Open and Vondrusheva, you know, has been to a slam final already in her young career. Um, but as a 15 seed here, uh, you know, she was out with injury and uh, missed a lot of time in the back half of last year. So she hasn't really had had good match momentum, and uh, she went out. I, w- I wish that I'd watched a little bit more of that, though. Um, other seeds that went out, Felix Auger-Aliassime, we all saw parts of that match. I sat through the first three sets. kind of felt a little depressing, like... Felix in the first set had a chance to serve it out. You know, he was up a break, and I just get the sense he doesn't, he has a lot of trouble closing. Mm. Like, he gets nervous when he has a lead. I feel like I've seen this a number of times, and it's all anecdotal, but just, and I, I think even in the second set, which he won, there was a similar situation where he was ahead and kind of. Like it, I think he was serving for it and was uh, and found himself down love forty, but dug himself out of that hole and managed to serve for it. Um, yeah, I mean he's young and very talented, but um, yeah, also kind of a tough draw. Golub is a guy who's had some nice runs at slams and um, seems to get up for the big events and maybe not even show up for the smaller ones. So yeah, Golub deserved the victory. We thought yeah. in the end he played really well. Um, yeah, I came in a Felix fan, but I was rooting for Gobus. Mm. By the end, you were, yeah. you were convinced. You turned me by his play. That's, yeah. yeah. I like, most of these matches, we've just gone in and had, had a strong feeling either way about who we want to win. But, um, yeah, just the attitude of the player or how well they're playing kind of turns you. Um, interestingly, Gobus was wearing a white polo shirt with, like, just a white, plain white polo shirt mm. and plain, plain black shirt. Right, unsponsored seems like yeah 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 I kind of want to dig around and figure out what the story is with Galvis because the impression I've gotten is that he doesn't feel the need to play the lesser tournaments for whatever reason Um, you know kind of has a reputation of maybe not not putting in the that level of intense effort that a lot of the top guys do but he's he's clearly able to mix it up uh, at that level and he's just he's a he's a crafty player with a lot of like, you know, with a bit of feistiness, like he's got mm. this kind of sharp edge to, mm. to his personality. He was like kind of cursing. There are these two blokes in the front row banging on the sides of the rafters. And, um, you know, at one point, and I'm sitting right behind them, and he like comes up to them and like mutters something under his breath, kind of looks at them really darkly. You know, I'm going <laughs> to meet you in a dark alley tonight. <laughs> you know, like disembowel you, like kind of attitude, um, which is kind of fun to see. And it also felt like Gulbis stepped up his play after that happened so he kind of liked you know I think he liked having a little bit of a personal edge mm. uh, in that match um, Misaki Doi lost to Harriet Dart heartbreakingly mm. in the like um, in the third set match tiebreak um, she was playing really well and the Japanese fans are pretty fun because they they were coordinated in their chants and but not aggressive, too aggressive in their mm-hmm. chanting, and um, I thought she was playing more interesting tennis. She was coming to net, and she was um, taking balls out of the air and stuff. But in the end, she just made a few too many errors, and I watched her fall and leave the stadium, leave the court um, 
was the outside court of 11. Uh, yeah, so her and Trungaliti's matches were pretty pretty sad to mm. see these people try really hard and and not, not get there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, for 88 completed matches, that's 88 people who really busted their butts to, to get to this point and, yeah. you know... And there's there's still all of this play to come, and they're not they're not able to participate. So it can be pretty heartbreaking, uh, especially when you see a close match like um, last night. When we got home, we left the grounds. I don't know, ten ten thirty p.m. Came home, and Kevin Anderson was still on court versus Ilya Ivashka, and it looked like Ivashka was going to pull off the upset. He was up a break in the fourth set, two sets to one, and uh, you know, old Kevo just kind of. Held it together. I don't know what was the story of that match. You were watching a little bit more closely, Alex. Yeah, um, went to the fifth set. Um, I think maybe maybe they traded breaks. I think Kevin broke him early, and then Ivashka managed to break back. I think that's what happened. Anyway, went to a match tie break, and it was one call uh, that went Kevin's way, um, but. The call came really close to when Ivashka hit the ball and the umpire awarded the point to Kevin. Ivashka thought it should have been replayed, so did all the commentators and everyone mm. watching. And that was, you know, halfway through the match tiebreak and it was really close tiebreak. It went all the way. I think it, oh, I can't remember the score now. Was it 10-8 maybe? 10-8. Yeah. It just felt really heartbreaking. It really felt like Ivashka was playing the better tennis there and he got unlucky on quite a few calls, like quite mm. a few awkward... Uh, net cords and just a quite a f- just some unlucky moments and it really felt like that should have been his match so that was a hard one to watch he really kept it together he didn't like didn't fly off the handle didn't didn't look really too down during the match he really stayed positive but yeah uh, yeah I felt for him yeah it was kind of an entertaining one even to see on television because mm. there were like it seemed like there were 30 people in the crowd mm. And those like kind of loud drunk people are maybe a little bit funnier <laughs> when, you're not there, yeah. when you're not there and they're not in your face. You know, some guy in sunglasses at 11.30 p.m. Yeah. standing there courtside just like freaking out about every point. Yeah, pointing at um, his head like Stan Varinka. Right. <laughs> yeah. Somebody got thrown out, I guess, who was like Avashka's yeah. like primary supporter. Yeah. Uh, it gets so late. It was like midnight before all the matches were finished. Yeah, and a lot of people, it's its just this strange phenomenon. There are people who go to these sporting events and just get loaded on booze. Yeah. And then just kind of, they act loud and aggressive and they talk a bunch of shit. Yeah. Uh, there were some of those behind us with Goffin and Shardy. Right at the start, I heard one of them on the phone. Someone called them, I think. Yeah, we're at the Oz Open. <laughs> yeah. Watching some French guy and some Belgian guy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, there was, it was a woman who answered that call, and it's always strange when people answer the phone and feel the need to elevate their volume, Yeah, especially when you're around a bunch of other people watching a semi-quiet tennis match. But one of my bummers for the AO so far this year is that they added this cover to Court 3, and it's not so terrible. I guess we haven't had a very hot day yet. I mean, mm-hmm. yesterday was really nice, really pleasant and sunny. But that court is basically entirely in shade for most of the day. And, um, but the side effect is that it, I think the structure they built echoes sound from the grounds onto the court much more than it did in past years. Because it's sort of like above the court 
and um, you could kind of imagine how sound waves um, would bounce off of it and then down. So you you get the sense of the din of the ground. Yeah. You know, you I remember hearing the the like big screen TV over in the Market Square Plaza where people are watching like Rod Laver Arena yeah. louder than I could hear the actual play on the court because we were yeah. a little bit elevated and that's kind of a shame because I love when those courts feel really hushed and intimate. And, yeah. Um, the old court too still feels that way. Uh, you know, it's um, they haven't built that structure and it's in the corner so it doesn't have as much to pick up. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, There's definitely a sense that every year it gets busier. Um, yesterday was very busy for a Tuesday. Mm. I think people are watching the weather. Monday, they knew it was going to rain. Yeah, they kept it a little that. quiet. Um, oh, hey, um, Mark Coleman's was wearing a Legionnaire's cap. Uh, oh, yeah. Against, I went to see... <laughs> yeah, you know the caps with the flaps, like um, so the sun-safe caps. Yeah, that's so funny. I've never seen really a tennis player play in one of those. Oh, that's sensible. I'm good on Mark for wearing that. Sensible and bold fashion choice. I like it. Bold fashion, yeah. But thinking of it, like, I wonder how that affects the acoustic. Is it over his ears? The flat? Yeah, loose, loose. Loose, but, yeah. Yeah, I just wonder if that like, could affect your sense of, like, timing. I, I wonder yeah. how much there's this element of, like, kind of yeah. hearing the bounce of the ball, like, yeah. correctly. And, well, you know, there's Duck Hee Lee, the Korean player who's deaf. 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 No yeah, kidding. I didn't like, know he almost qual- I think he got through a round of qualifying as well. Okay. He's, you know, like um, 100 or maybe 200 in the world. Anyway, I went to see Polman's because he was playing against Kukushkin. I wanted to see what Sergio Tacchini... Right, yeah. But he's, he's moved on. He's wearing um, Head. Yeah. The racket mm. brand now. Yeah. It's the racket brands are taking over. We saw another Dunlop. Who was uh, wearing Dunlop yesterday? Kevin Anderson. Kevin Anderson. And Max um, Purcell. Purcell. Where have the fashion brands gone? The Alesses, the Takinis. Mm. Yeah, no less. Bondarenko was wearing Takini. Hmm. Yeah. Well. Let's go watch some tennis. All right. Yeah, I guess so. Um, Shout out to Shelley, Matt, and Kate. And uh, also to uh, Marco and Svetlana, thank you for uh, for retweeting us or whatever you call it in Instagram world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, Shelly, um, Matt, um, so Matt and Kate's mum, Sandy Stewart. We were talking to her. She's um, she was watching the tennis and she she has a ranking. She was not number nine in the world for her age group, um, and I think she says so she's thirteen in the. 13 in no 13 in Australia nine, 9 in Australia for her right for her age group cool what are you guys looking forward to seeing today well, I was just looking at the schedule I mean, we kind of missed this before and now I'm kind of that's why I'm kind of like keen to get there Dan Evans and Nishioka are they up first starting yeah 12-15 on court 19 which could be interesting and then Fujovic and Sinner also could be an interesting one hey how's on Suarez Navarro going Against Sabalenka. Um, Just started on serve. Yeah, it's 2-3. I mean, that could probably be over. With the women's matches, yeah, yeah, sets, it could be over by the time you get there. But if you guys hit the road, you might be able to see it. I'm definitely prioritizing uh, personal care today before going down there. I'm just going to not worry about missing. I'm sure, I could, I'm sure I've missed the best matches, but... Um, you know, we'll have, I'll have all afternoon. After 12-plus hours yesterday, it feels like, you know... I could miss a couple hours, so it'd be okay. Need to get a run in. Let's do it. All right. See you guys at the tennis.